0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Church Podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Okay, so last week, I'm not going to take a lot of time to review, but we kind of made the case that we really, God really does want to talk to us. I run into Christians on a fairly regular basis that aren't convinced that God wants to talk to us. So we spent some time looking at that. And then we spent a little bit of time looking at how will God speak to us today. In the Old Testament, we have some great examples of God speaking through Moses and the burning bush is one of the classic stories of the Old Testament. I don't know about any of you, I've never seen a burning bush talking to me. I'm probably pretty glad about that because I don't know what I'd be thinking about myself. And uh, a little less dramatic than the burning bush talking to you is, of course, Gideon, the story of Gideon, and he puts a fleece out at night, if you remember the story, and he's kind of not sure he's heard from God, so he puts a fleece of wool out, and he said, okay, God, if this is you, I want the fleece to be dry and everything else to be wet, and of course, he goes out the next morning, and that's exactly what happens. And being the man of faith he was, he said, okay, tonight, here's what I want. And he wants the opposite. He wants the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry. So that finally convinced him that, yes, this was God speaking to him. Jesus comes and he changes all that. Uh, when Jesus is crucified, the veil and the temple and the Holy of Holies, which represented where God's presence was, is torn from top to bottom, showing us that now we have access to go in and talk to God. And once we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And this is, I think, where God is speaking to us, that little inside voice that says, hey, do this, or don't do that, or pay attention. So that's the two-minute review. So today I want to talk about how do I actually hear from God? How do I know that this is God talking to me and not last night's pizza? What do I do? First of all, I think that we need to remember, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 145, 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and great in mercy. He is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. God loves you greatly. So the first thing I think you need to do if you want to learn to hear from God more or more effectively or understand him is relax. He is not up there withholding information from you. He is not up there trying to beat you or whack you or any of the things that we may have heard in other religious circles, he absolutely loves you, he's absolutely gracious and compassionate. Those of you who have children, if you go back and think about what it was like when they were learning, I mean we're always learning, but think about those days when they're just getting ready to crawl and they're just getting ready to walk, and how much parenting do you have to do just to keep them from you know, falling downstairs or banging their head, and you're doing all this, you don't necessarily get mad at them because they're learning. Well, keep in mind, that's the same way with God. Unfortunately, many of us, myself included, haven't spent all the time that we need to listening to him. So he's not up there. He's not shouting at you. He's not mad at you. He loves you and he wants to talk to you. He wants you to hear what he has to say. The other uh, another one of my favorite scriptures is back in Proverbs. We see Solomon, who was the wisest man ever, tell us in Proverbs 4, 5 through 9, get skillful in godly wisdom. Acquire understanding. Actively seek spiritual discernment, mature comprehension, and logical interpretation. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not alter or turn away from this wisdom, and it will guard you and protect you. Love it, and it will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get skillful in godly wisdom. It is preeminent, and with all you're acquiring, get understanding. Prize wisdom, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty and glory. So from this scripture and others, if you go back into Proverbs and Psalms, one of the big themes that you see is this idea of getting godly wisdom. Now, there's nothing wrong with seeking advice from other people. I, this is just my view of it, you have to be careful who you take advice from. You want to take advice from someone possibly who knows you, but also someone who's probably godly. It's not that there's not wisdom in the world. There's a lot of smart people, there's a lot of great wisdom, but that may or may not apply to us as Christians. Peter tells us that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Once we get saved, we kind of enter into a different grouping and God is gonna speak to us a little bit differently. So we have to be careful who we listen to. It doesn't mean you don't listen to non-Christians, but just keep that in mind. I think that's important. James tells us that if you need wisdom, To ask our generous God and he'll give it to you and he won't rebuke you for asking so the first thing we need to do is ask now uh, my day job is i'm a teacher and i hope i never do this with my class but i can't guarantee it have anybody ever been in class somewhere and you ask the teacher and they said gosh that's a stupid question god's never going to do that to you you can say god what about this and he's not going to go you should know this by now why don't you know this how come you haven't figured this out that's not what he's going to do james tells us he's not going to rebuke us for asking So please go, seek God, ask him questions. So the first thing I'm gonna do, or the first thing I recommend that you do, and this is gonna sound incredibly elementary, is that you ask him. So that was kind of the homework I threw out there from last week, is try to start the habit of asking God questions. I don't know about you, but it's really easy to start my day and work through my day, and all of a sudden I find it's noon and I haven't even talked to God yet. I haven't even maybe opened the word or however you start your day and then all of a sudden you're there and it's five o'clock or six o'clock and you're on to to the next thing. God gave us the ability to start habits. Uh, Psychologists tell us, psychiatrists tell us it's about 21 days, give or take, to start it. So one of the big things I recommend you do is get in the habit of asking God questions. One of the things we chatted a little bit about last week was this idea of big versus small. Does God care about the little things in our life? What do you think? Can we only go to him with really kind of big decisions, that kind of medium to large group? or does he care about everything? He does, absolutely. He cares about every single thing, right? Uh, The Bible tells us to cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. Uh, I did a little research into the Greek and you know what the word all means? All, yeah, so I mean, it's not any harder than that, a little humor for a Sunday morning, but he, he wants to know about everything. I think you should start with small questions. So what are some small questions we could start to ask God that if we miss it, it really doesn't impact the quality of our life necessarily? Sorry, I'm a teacher, so I ask questions. I like the Socratic method, so what do you think? What are some small questions we could ask God? Okay, how's my day gonna be? What do I need to be looking for today? Right, great, sure, what should I expect? How many of you are planning to eat lunch today? Anybody? Do you ever have trouble deciding what you're gonna eat for lunch? No, right there, teenage boy, right? Absolutely not. Never a problem. <laughs> As we, we have different days, we might decide we're going to lunch, and has anybody been there? You're, on, you're sitting there, you got the menu, and you don't know, do I want A or do I want B today? Did you ever think of asking God? God, what should I have today? Right? Now, it it seems simple and that seems mundane, but I'll share an experience that I had that really helped guide me to start to hear the voice of God. But why not? If he really cares about everything, why not start simple? So that my first question to God is, should I move to another state? Or should I I marry this person? Or should I go to school here? So I think we certainly have those large decisions, but start with small things that aren't going to necessarily have a dramatic impact on your life. Beef, or chicken, or the vegetable plate isn't necessarily going to impact the quality of your life for the next 10 years. Now, if they have food poisoning in the restaurant, that's a whole different ballgame. But anyway, we won't go there. So have any of you traveled to uh, Minnesota? Anybody ever? And did you, uh, in Minnesota, it's, it's kind of a phenomenon there. I think I've seen it in a couple other cities, but the traffic engineers in that state decided that the way to tra- control traffic on to the highway at certain times of the day during rush hour was that they should back the, the on-ramps up and put stoplights there so they would control them. Uh, after do, driving on those for 20 years, I'm not convinced they work, but I'm not a traffic engineer, so I don't know. So as I was wrestling with hearing the voice of God now many years ago, and I still am, am working on it It's a work in progress, someone told me to start small. And so I asked God the very deep and important and religious philosophical question, which line should I get in? Because you get in there and right, we all want to be first, right? Nobody wants to go, dang, I picked the wrong line. Like anybody been to Target or Walmart, and you're like, okay, which line? You got f- there's only four. They got 30 checkouts, but there's only four open, right? So you've got to get, you've got to pick the right one. Because, well, how do you feel if you pick the wrong one, right? So somebody up there has a price check and you're going to be there for a day. So I, that's what I started doing. I started saying, okay, God, which, which line should I get in? At the end of the day, does it really affect the quality of my life that day? Probably not. Not really. And over time, over a period of months, I started to understand whether that was my brain or whether that was my heart. Was, it, was this God speaking to me about my heart? And what I would do is I would track it, and I would see, okay, how did I hear? How did I feel? And so I took this kind of experiment, and honestly, this is how I started hearing the voice of God, and it sounds ridiculous, but it works. And what's great about that is that we build this knowing over time. And I used this example last week, but I think it bears repeating. How many of you could be in a room of a large group of people, and if you heard your spouse, you heard your mom, your dad, cough or laugh, you'd know it's them whether you saw them or not. Why? It's recognizable, but it's because you've heard it how many times? Millions of times. So the reason I think you should start small is it builds this process of hearing God and knowing this is what he's telling you. Because then when it gets to a little bigger decision, and he tells you to do something that seems a little not normal or not the, the, the mainstream, you know you've heard God's voice a hundred times or a thousand times or a million times, and you know he's guiding and directing you there. And so I think that this is an important step to, to work with. Matthew 7 tells us to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So we have this continual process. The end of that scripture is, I think, really interesting because he's telling us, okay, be persistent. At least that's the message I take from those scriptures in Matthew. But at the end, he says in chapter 9, Or is there a man among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? Or if then uh, you're evil, you're you're an evil. He's saying, you know, you're, you're a sinful person and you give good gifts to your children. So what's God going to do for us? right? Paul tells us that he sent his own son. What's he not going to do for you? Is he really going to say, no, 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 I'm not giving you wisdom. You're done. I'm done for the day. No, he's infinite. He's there and he's willing to speak and to share. So then if we're getting in the habit of asking, how then do we hear? How then do we know or how do we discern this is God? So I'm going to give you some general ideas. This is based on my experience and what I've observed in scripture. This is not a comprehensive list or a comprehensive way to do it. I think obviously... You don't necessarily need to search scripture if you feel you should have the vegetable plate today at lunch. I don't think you have to pull out your Bible and search for scriptures about vegetables. I don't think that's necessarily the level of detail we need to go to, but with bigger decisions, we might not necessarily want to go immediately with that first voice we hear. It may be God, it may be him telling that, but I think God will confirm some of these things for you. And I think you'll use a number of ways. So first of all is scripture, right? So if you really feel God's telling you to rob a bank, I'm pretty sure we can pull up some scripture that tells you that's a bad plan, right? And I've had people do that where they're coming to me and they're, I really feel God's leading me in this direction. I'm like, well, this is kind of an obvious sin based on these five scriptures. So probably that's not God. So uh, I lay that out there because not everybody thinks that way. So I wanna make sure that I say that. Now, if you're married, I think you have an incredible asset in your spouse. My wife and I talk about different things, of course, like any couple does, but. Uh, A lot of times she will confirm or not confirm something that I'm thinking when it comes to bigger decisions. And she'll say, yeah, you know what, I think we should go in that direction, or I've been thinking that too. Or, no, I don't think now is the right time. And usually, not always, but usually I, I go with the direction that she's hearing as well. Now, if you're not married, that doesn't mean you're out of luck. You might have a close friend who you talk to and they can tell you, hey, I don't know about that. I'm not so sure that's a great idea. Or, hey, you know, I've been thinking about that too. Maybe that is right. So you, you can do that. Sometimes people hear words from God. So somebody else will come up and say, I really think God's telling you this. Anybody ever had that happen to them? In those situations, the advice that I've gotten and the advice that I've seen from experience is, does that line up with anything you've been hearing already? The way that it's been put to me is graciously accepted, but you might just put it on a shelf. Because if you haven't already been hearing that, God generally, at least in my experience and what I've seen and heard other people teach, he's not gonna come out of the blue with a bolt like that from somebody else. Because we have the Holy Spirit working inside of us, he's typically going to start speaking to you first. Now he might use that for confirmation. So let me give you a little example from uh, my life. So we moved here uh, about seven years ago, almost seven years ago, and I was working in sales and marketing and technology. And my company was doing some transitioning to uh, working from home. Obviously, today's world's completely different, but a few years ago, um, we wanted to move to Florida. God had opened the door for that to happen. And my company said, Sure, you can work remotely. You've been with the company almost 19 years, that's not a problem. About um, two months after uh, Chris and the boys moved here, they said, No, you can't work here anymore, you can leave. So I'm like, Oh, Great, thanks. You know, you move and you are trying to find a job right away because that's, that's what you do. And, and uh, there's a little pressure on us men in society to make sure that we're providing appropriately for our family and that's, that's fine. So not doing that wasn't very comfortable for me, I'll admit. My wife is a physical therapist, so she could find work right away. Uh, I tease her that if she wants a new job, all she has to do is stand at our front door and say I'm a physical therapist and three people will show up. But for many of the rest of us, it takes a little longer. And so I applied for 126 jobs in three months uh, that I was qualified for and got none of them. Had worked with a recruiter and I, was, uh, I had accepted a job as a sales manager of a technology firm in downtown Orlando. Thursday uh, before the Monday that I was starting, I got a call from the recruiter who was almost in tears. As he said, I've never had this happen in all the years I've done this, but they've decided not to hire you. So I'm like, okay, God, maybe you're trying to tell me something. You know, maybe there's a bunch of doors here that are clearly shut. Because, I mean, some of the jobs I wasn't completely applied, qualified for, but the vast majority of them were well within the, the skill set that, that God had, had provided. And so I spent a lot more time asking God questions. And he wasn't answering very much. Now, my boys had started in a new school uh, since we had moved here, of course. And I, they have meetings every couple of months. And I remember sitting in one, and I remember God telling me, you should go talk to the administrator about teaching and of course being the brilliant Christian I was I argued with God for quite a while about that because that's what I do if he tells me something I don't like I argue with him and tell him why he's obviously wrong I don't recommend that it's really not smart but it's just just kind of how I work sometimes what you don't necessarily know about me is that when I was in college my first major was history education changed it to business and as I mentioned last week I really wanted to be a lawyer for the Deeply spiritual reason of they get paid a lot. Um, that, was, that was about it. It was funny because I have a passion for history. I love it. Uh, even though I didn't finish my degree in history, it's a minor. I've studied it for years, having been out of college. I, I took that advice because I knew, I was pretty sure it was God. So how did God confirm that for me? Uh, well, he was very gracious and kind because apparently he knew I wouldn't just go do this on my own. Over the course of the next two weeks, three independent people said, Have you considered teaching for a job? Not just anybody. Uh, My mother-in-law, my mother. And then Chris and I, my wife and I, were out doing something. And I said, do you know what your mother and my mother have been telling me? And she goes, what? And she said, they think I should go look to teaching. She goes, oh, you'd be great at that. You should totally do that. Like, OK, thank you. Got the message. So I still didn't necessarily want to transition because, you know, teachers get paid millions of dollars and, you know, they're the highlight of society and, and in the back of my brain, I'll be real honest. I'm thinking, yeah, but God, I can't make enough so she can stay home with the kids and I can do this. And again, arguing with God, which is fruitless, but nevertheless, this is what I do sometimes. So I put off the meeting with the administrator until January and I sit down and I talk with her and I tell her about my background and she said, well, I think you'd be a good fit. I have to see who's coming back and who's not. And so I said to God, and I don't necessarily recommend this, but this is where I was at the moment. I said, okay, if this is what you want me to do, I really want to teach U.S. history. So guess what was the first class she had available for me? U.S. history. I love teaching. I had no idea I would. Sorry, I get emotional about this. Um, God is gracious and kind. Even though we argue with him and we tell him he's probably not right, he's not mad at us. He's not up there screaming. He's saying, hey, I know what you need, more than you know what you need. So if you'll listen, if you'll just pay attention to me, God's saying, I'll guide you, I'll direct you, I'll put you where you need to go. So I am grateful that he didn't just tell me once and then I was on my own for however long. He just kept pushing. So back to that, you know, one-year-old or two-year-old who keeps falling down or keeps heading to the stove and you have to keep pulling them away. God will do the same with us. He'll just say, okay, it's all right. No, we're over here. We'll just keep going this way. Just keep going this way. He's gracious and he's kind, and I think that's what makes the difference. So beginning to wrap up a little bit, some other advice I've gotten, especially as you're wrestling with big decisions, that particular story, obviously he's continually working on me over a period of months to push me in the direction that I need to go. I will say this, if, and this was advice from a pastor I heard speak one time that stayed with me. If you don't know for sure that you should do something, I wouldn't do it. So let's say you're looking to buy a car or you're looking to do a move, especially with bigger decisions, in my experience and what I've seen, if you're not convinced this is the right thing, you haven't you necessarily haven't heard from God, I would not recommend going forward because, and, and this, this phrase here again that I've heard someone say, it, it's almost easier to be a little behind God and let him continually nudge you in the right direction than it is if you just blaze off in a direction. God can fix anything. There isn't a situation that he can't cure, but I have seen that... Like in that situation with teaching, it's better off sometimes if I just kind of go a little bit slower. Now, in that particular case, it turned out that's what he wanted me to do, and I'm grateful that I get to do this today. But I have solved a lot. I have avoided some problems in my life by following the advice. If you don't know, don't go. I remember looking back. I was trying to buy a new truck, and I really wanted this truck, and. I got him to structure the deal just right so it would fit right in my budget, but there was just something gnawing at me at the bottom. I don't know if you've ever had that where you're thinking about a decision, there's just something there that you're just not quite settled about it. I'd firmly argue and counsel you to don't not do it. And and here's why. So this truck I really wanted, I really liked. It just wasn't right. So I waited, because I really wanted to get rid of my car. My car was starting to have issues, and if you've been there, you know that can be a real pain when you don't necessarily trust your car anymore. You're not sure if it's going to start or run or whatever you want. But I waited, and... A year later, I was able to buy something twice as nice for about the same price. So it was one of those situations where it didn't happen right away. I mean, it was a year, maybe 18 months later before it all worked out, but it did work out. So if you don't have that confirmation, you're just not feeling peace, then I think that's something to consider as well. Going along with that, I believe God leads you. He doesn't push you. The Bible tells us that he who um, are led By the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so I don't see God shoving us in a direction. I see him saying, nope, come this way. Come this way. Just again, like that little child, you know, oh, nope, come over here. You grab them by the hand. Remember, anybody done this when they're starting to walk, right? And they're kind of wobbly and they kind of look like the Stay puff marshmallow man as they're doing one of these kind of things. And so you grab them by the hand and you just slowly kind of pull them along because they're learning to walk. And I think God does this exact same thing with us. He kind of pulls us along nice and slow. We don't shove that child, and I don't think God shoves you. So the reason I say that is, have you ever been in a situation where somebody says, you've got to do this right now, or you can't have this deal? Mm -hmm. Most of the time I find, I'm going to walk away. If you're trying to push me, I'm not interested. Have I missed it probably doing that? I'm sure I have. But if I don't have that peace, I don't like to move on from that decision. No matter how good it looks, no matter how amazing it could be, I don't think that that's what we want to do. Wrapping up today, I'm going to talk. I'll tell you what I'll talk about next week here in a minute, but I think the way to do this is to practice. That's why I encourage you to start small, to ask small questions first, because it takes practice. Think about any new relationship that you have. You have to spend time with that person, you have to talk to that person, message with that person, whatever it is. I'm not saying you're new to talking with God, but I think if we want to get better at hearing His voice, that it is a skill. How many of you deal with other people a lot for your job? Does it take time to learn how to read a customer? And then sometimes we have customers who are repeat customers who we love and we have repeat customers who you have to go, oh, here they come again, right? But we can't tell them they're dumb. We, we have to do that. So like any relationship with any people, it takes time to read that customer or it takes time to, it takes time to understand God. And I don't think this is a process that we ever end. But by asking often, by trying to spend time with him more, I think we can learn to hear his voice easier and easier. So then when it comes to those big decisions that may not seem completely, it might seem a little harebrained, like me transitioning to teaching, you're like, okay, I'm going to be open. I'm going I'm to walk with you on this until I see where this goes. So it's an ongoing process. So if you feel like you missed it today, that's okay. And one of the things I want to talk about next week is what happens if I screwed up? What happens if he said A and I picked B? And we'll talk, I'll get more into that next week. God has never leaned over to transition to next week based on your decision. He's never leaned over to Jesus and said, now what do we do? He's never said, well, I didn't see that coming, did you? No. He is almighty God. He knows the end from the beginning. We are finite. We have a beginning and we have an end here on this earth. And so that tends to frame our entire understanding and our experience of life. But the longer I talk to God, the longer I walk with God, I realize more than, than I have before what being infinite means. Um, I don't have it all, I certainly don't have it all grasped, but it gives me great faith to know that he's infinite. It gives me great comfort to know that he's infinite because he knows the path for my life and I don't always. And he knows what decision I'll make and he knows how to get me exactly where he wants me to be exactly at the right time. And that's a very comfort to me.